0: It's quiet, all but for the wind and the trees. The sun is hiding behind the misty mountains, Celebdil, Fenwithal, and cruel Carathris, ready to spring up like an unseen thing from the waters of night. The trees of Holly are far behind me. A wall of sheer stone before me, the rest of the world is waiting. I think briefly of Frodo and company, how they barely survived their passing this place with the arrival of the Kraken, the Great Watcher in the Water, after the damming of the river Sirenon by the servants of Sauron, Their journey in the dark was far more harrowing, for in there, beyond these walls, lay the great but festering dwarf kingdom of the Dweridelf. Then it reaches my ears. The stamping of feet, calling of dwarvish names, rolling of carts. What the what? Dwarves? Like, a whole mess of them? Here? Didn't they get the memo? The way is shut, dudes. Whatever's down in that murky pool is not looking for friends. Wait, I forgot. It's dwarves we're talking about here. Better to wait and see what happens, because there's no stopping them. It's the Walls of Moria, and you are listening to Beneath Your Feet. There's a lot of strange men in cell block 10, but the strangest of them all was a friend of mine who spent his time staring at the wall, staring at the wall. As he looked at the walls, so strong and tall, you could hear him softly curse. Nobody at all ever climbed that wall, but I'm gonna be the first. I'm gonna be the first. The History of Moria, Khazad-Dum, the Greatest of All Dwarf Realms, is a long and sordid one. One that requires a whole episode, maybe even two, in and of itself. To keep it brief, the dwarves hold that the greatest of the seven fathers of their sort, during the Deathless, awoke from his great slumber and stumbled upon Miramir, Keled and the Dimril Dale, and saw there a crown of stars reflected in the water. After its discovery, he did what all dwarves cannot help but do and started digging. Soon, other dwarves flocked to this new realm and the Longbeards became well-established and, being far removed from the turbulence of the First Age, thrived while the other dwarf kingdoms fell. You dwarves out there will call it blasphemy, but it seems elves and dwarves have at least one thing more in common than you thought. They're drawn to the stars. It is interesting, though, that Doran had to heed his stars while staring at the ground. Time to call in the Tolkien professor. Anyway, the dwarves dug for the better part of a millennia, straight through the misty mountains and clear out of the western side. Once through, and some time later, they forged an unlikely friendship with a bastion of the most creative elves this side of Valinor. The story of this group of elves is a bit dubious, as accounts differ. Read the unfinished tales if you want to see what I mean. But it holds that they were led by Celeborn and Galadriel, at least for a time, and the wheels of commerce spun freely between these two groups of free folk, the dwarves of Khazad-dum and the elves of Eregion, and their great city of Austin ethel As it always goes, trouble soon arose in paradise, and those elves, now led by one Celebrimbor, started crafting round and shiny things, and, under the influence of a disguised Sauron, found the apex of their creativity with the Great Rings of Power. The rest, as they say, is history. But before the gates of Khazad-dûm were shut against the darkness of that time, a friendship arose between the aforementioned Celebrimbor and Narvi the Dwarf. More on that later. So that's the history I bore with me as I stepped from Oregion into the separate walls of Moria. This, I thought, was an odd but necessary choice for the game, as there is literally a gate between the zone of Oregion and the walls. It's one of those things where it's necessary as it funnels players through and creates a separate instance by which you start the questline for Moria, but it just looks strange. Once inside, you are treated with a lovely, curvaceous landscape speckled with pine trees that, in the distance, climb the mountainside like kudzu up to the alpine. Rounding the first bend, I see the dead trickle of the River Sirenon that so stumped Gandalf as the Fellowship passed through here. There are the stairs that make the former part of Stair Falls, that once raging waterfall that fed the River Sirenon To the left of those stairs should have been a path that wound and climbed to the valley that led to the West Gate, a path lined with hedges. Not unlike the Fellowship, we get turned around by the odd layout of the area, how it has been mangled by the wiles of Sauron and his cronies. The river has been dammed, and so the falls are shut down, and the riverbed may dry. There is, of course, a large black pool caused by the dammed-up river, and then there are dwarves. I often idle my time, thinking about how Lotro could have or should have been handled, especially the story. We could have gone up and over the Redhorn Pass or straight to the Gap of Rohan, avoiding Moria altogether. I guess that trove of awe-inspiring architecture and the threat of Balrogs was just too great a load of fodder to not sacrifice on the MMO altar. In a way, I'm glad. We get to follow the adventures of the book directly and see some otherwise amazing sights under the mountains. But they had to shoehorn the story around this oddity, and once again we are in the realm of possible, but not plausible. In short, this band of longbeards has been sent on a mission from Dain Ironfoot, king under the mountain, to find out what happened to Balin and company, who came to steal Moria back from the orcs in 2989 of the Third Age, about 30 years before the events of the books. They are led by Bosi, a nice enough chap, but have really no idea what they're doing. For starters, they took the long way round to Moria, crossing the Misty Mountains from the north, supposedly to consort with Gloin, who somehow is still hanging around up there khazad has long been lost to us, but we will reclaim it! I like the voices of these dwarves. Khazdûl, the tongue of the dwarves, is based on Semitic languages like Arabic and Hebrew, and Tolkien once said in an interview that he thought the dwarves were not unlike medieval Jews, a folk displaced from their ancestral home but maintaining their language and culture in the world outside. So I find it a nice touch that these dwarves from the east have an accent that is not quite placeable, but enough to remind us that they are their own people. Nonetheless, this unlikely expedition provides us, the players, with an interesting enough storyline to weave ourselves in and out of, and I think is a fitting tribute to events prior. We see parallels with how it must have gone for Balin when he desperately struggled to get the old place back. Furthermore, it parallels the tenuous but profitable relationship held by the Elves of Eregion and the Dwarves of Moria as Bose and company eventually plead for help from the Lord Celeborn and Lady Galandriel of Lorien, which brings us to that door. The West Gate of Moria, otherwise called Durin's Door, is an emblem in the Lord of the Rings. It's one of the only drawings in the book done by Tolkien himself, and, at least in my mind, it is a hopeful symbol of what can be achieved when the free folk of Middle-earth join together. At the time of its discovery by the Fellowship, that is something sorely needed with the looming war ready to pounce on all free people. The door is magic, as we like to say, but magic in Middle-earth is really just art taken to a, shall we say, supernatural level. The art in question is the craftsmanship of the dwarves, in this case the dwarf Narvi, who created the doors and presumably carved out the beautiful drawing, a hammer and anvil symbolic of Dúrin's folk and the crown and stars, tokens of the house of Feanor, flanked by an arch wrapped in tree vines. Celebrimbor then inlaid the drawing with ithildine, that wondrous ink made of mithril that only reflected moonlight and starlight, the province of Elbereth. They even flanked the door with holly trees to mark the end of the elvish realm. It is the perfect picture of cooperation and a reminder to those dwarves and elves who use the door so frequently as they traffic crafts and materials from Moria to Eregion of what can be achieved when differences in history are set aside for greater gains. Soon after Gandalf, with a little help from Merry opened them, the doors were slammed shut by the Watcher and blocked by the falling rubble and tree limbs and will, in the timeline of Lotro, later be cleared by Bosi and company as they pry their way back into the Black Chasm. When the Fellowship find the walls of Moria, they have already come through much, a blizzard and avalanche, a pack of wargs, spying crabine, not to mention all the troubles they face getting to Rivendell in the first place. And yet, things only get worse in Moria. The walls, like many pieces of Middle-earth in this time, are a dark place, scarred by the coming war and the hatred of the enemy Sauron, but implanted with signs of hope, remembrances of a time past when the enemy was defeated and that he will be defeated again. The doors of Doran are just such a reminder that estranged people can work together to make something that will last, and that even the night bears starlight bright enough to defeat the dark. This has been Episode 7 of the Beneath Your Feet Podcast. I want to invite you to visit the blog at lotrobeneathyourfeet.com. From there, you can read the show notes to learn more about this week's episode, including the music featured. You can also subscribe on iTunes, follow on Facebook, and now Google+. You can also hear Beneath Your Feet streaming every Sunday on Middle Earth Network Radio at mymiddleearth.net. Every week I want to take you through a part of Middle Earth and give you everything you need to appreciate the vast history of those places. So if you have any suggestions, comments, screenshots, poems, anything at all, please send them via email to shipwreck at lotrobeneathyourfeet.com. In the next few episodes I'll be joined by some more special guests, so stay tuned and keep your eyes open for announcements on the blog and on Facebook. My name is Shipwreck, and we'll see you next time when we go Beneath Your Feet. But in this night, the are one who's in me. The dance of fire and queen, and the stories of other kings, are pleasing our great lords. Come in the village of course. And all night long, we are valentine's, just we speak. We love, we honor our king. The dance of fire and wheel, and the stories of other kings, are pleasing our great It's tragic, but he this night the red maroon in me. The dance of fire and wind, and the stories of our kings are pleasing our beloved.